If your business needs a new application, then developers will have to write code, a lot of code. If an application needs to be modernized, then you'll need time, resources, and caffeine. If that sounds daunting, then you need Watson X Code Assistant, AI designed to multiply developer productivity so you can generate code quickly. Let's create a more modern foundation for business with Watson X Code Assistant. Learn more at ibm.com slash code assistant. IBM, let's create. There are moments in life that are so special that you have to capture them and save them forever. They are one of those once-in-a-lifetime events, like your baby's first steps, the first time you bring your family pet home, or your daughter's first dance performance. With iPhone 15 Pro, more storage means you don't have to delete anything that can become a lasting memory one day. And it's important to be able to share these moments with family members who weren't there to see them in person. Store more, share more. Connect with iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T. Get iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T and get an iPad and Apple Watch for 99 cents per month each. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Limited time offer. Requires 0% APR 36-month agreement on each. Well-qualified customers. Other terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash iPhone for details. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's the groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. This Father's Day, power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. Find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. In the middle of California, down in the fertile land of Salinas, land later made famous by John Steinbeck, that's where the black cowboy Jesse Stahl secured his own piece of history. The year is 1912. Black cowboys have roamed the West as cattle herders and trail bosses. There's Nat Love, and also the outlaws like Cherokee Bill and lawmen like Bass Reeves. Of course, starting with all these same skills on horseback and with roping cattle and horses, men found a way to turn those talents into a competition. Entertainment. Rodeos soon become popular spectacles across the West. They're also big, fun social events, something to look forward to in between days of hard work and solitude. People would travel far and wide for the occasion. The mayor of San Francisco makes the trip down to Salinas to see Stahl in action. He's joined by 4,000 others. Before the swelling crowd, Jesse Stahl draws a horse named Glass Eye. You can imagine he earned that name the hard way. The animal is a thousand pounds of fury, wrapped in a hide and all loaded into a chute. The black cowboy drops down onto the Bronco's back. Glass Eye resists its new rider with every ounce of fight it can muster. The horse bucks and kicks. It leaps and spins. As soon as hooves touch the earth, it bucks again and reaches its body back up towards the sky. But Jesse Stahl holds fast to the animal. He stays on the bucking bronco until it's as still as a sleeping infant. 
The crowd, which has been cheering his ride throughout, erupts when Jesse Stahl stands tall above the now calmed Bronco. When the judges score his ride, Jesse Stahl comes in third. White Cowboys in first and second. Everyone knows that score isn't fair. It isn't right. Jesse Stahl deserves first place. He hops on the back of another Bronco. The Bronco is turned loose in the arena. The crowd sees that Jesse Stahl is seated backwards. And just like that, he rides the Bronco all around the arena, backwards. He doesn't get thrown. No one has ever seen anything like this, ever. It isn't for a score. The ride is purely an exhibition. It's a protest. His defiant ride brings down the house. The crowd loses their ever-loving minds. It's further proof racism has turned the judges into public embarrassments. Everyone else can see the truth. Jesse Stahl has clearly won. Twice. In 1979, Jesse Stahl was posthumously inducted into the Rodeo Hall of Fame. He was the second black cowboy to be inducted. The first black cowboy to be inducted was a man named Bill Pickett, the greatest showman of the Wild West, a black cowboy from Texas. He invented a whole rodeo sport. He became an icon of toughness and thrilled crowds across America and Mexico. This is his story. It's been a long road for us We taking ownership over everything owed to us Royalty, we surrounded by our heritage Our fist up, cause we proud to be American I'm Zaren Burnett, welcome to Black Cowboys An iHeart original podcast Hey, ask yourself what's really in the name Sitting on a Mustang, riding through the plains Buffalo soldier, the king of the range we in love with the cowboy way. Chapter 7. Bill Pickett. King of the Bull Riders, Bronco Busters, and Bulldoggers. So, Pop, you used to take me to the rodeo when I was a boy. Uh, you took me to the rodeo in Atlanta, and it was one of my favorite early childhood memories. When we moved to California, you, one of the first things we did was went to a rodeo. How important was it to you to take your son to a rodeo? Oh, it was extremely important. And it's important to know that people like you have done everything that can be done. So you just, I take you to the rodeo, then you can see that black, black people are cowboys. So then it's not, it doesn't have to be researched. You can see it with your own eyes. So that was very important. You definitely stuck with me. When you were a boy, do you remember like the Wild West shows and, and wanting to go see the rodeo? Was that something for you as well? Well, when I was a little boy, we were living in Virginia and North Carolina. And segregation was the law of the land. So we we didn't go to any shows uh, in North Carolina or Virginia because there was always the possibility of running into Klansmen or or their like who had too much to drink and couldn't get in and not mad at anybody who got in. So, no, we didn't go to anything until we moved to Pennsylvania. Then we started going to circuses. I always wanted to go to uh, a rodeo. Now, the closest I came was at my great-grandmother's farm when uh, there would be time to uh, break a mule or break a horse or in any of the regular ranch activities. So even though it wasn't a big ranch, you could feel it. Bill Pickett was born free in 1870 in Travis County, Texas, in a community just outside of the capital, Austin. 
Both of Bill Pickett's parents had been slaves in South Carolina. Both were mixed. His father had Cherokee ancestors, his mother had Cherokee and Mexican ancestors. Bill is the oldest of 13 siblings, or second oldest. Records are hard to confirm. When he's a school kid, little Bill walks past a cattle ranch every day on the way to the schoolhouse. Cattle culture is all around Austin at that time. The Texas Trail that leads the cattle drives north to Dodge City passes along the eastern edge of Austin. It then runs north to where it parallels the famed Chisholm Trail before it crosses the Red River, the boundary between Texas and Indian Territory, known as present-day Oklahoma. Young Bill Pickett studies the cattlemen and cowboys who pass through. There is much to watch and learn. Chiefly, there's the rope, known as a lariat. Fashioned into a noose, it's thrown around the necks of stray cattle and obstinate mustangs. There's a rhythm to how the cowboys swing the lariat above their heads. There's a grace to how they make it land in the perfect spot, and then there's a sudden authority when they yank it tight. There's also all the brands to study, those marks burned into the sides of livestock. Each brand signifies a different ranch. Young Bill soon becomes a pint-sized expert in reading all the many brands of the ever-growing number of Texas ranches. It helps that his older cousins are black cowboys. They've been to Dodge City. They've ridden hard on the trail, through driving sleet and punishing hail. They've chased an angry steer through bramble brush and forded rivers as they guide a freeway of cattle to safely cross. His cousins fill his head with stories of stampedes and Indian raids, shootouts and gunfights with bad men the ever-present risk of horse thieves and cattle rustlers. They've each escaped from those perils, leaving behind only a thundering cloud of dust. And so, when he walks to school, Bill Pickett doesn't just see the big, friendly eyes of a cow staring at him from behind the corral fence. He sees adventure and family tradition. He learns to ride and to shoot. He learns to throw a lariat. He begins to break wild horses. Even as a boy, Bill has an orneriness about him that makes him a natural cowboy a feisty spirit. But the talent that he'll become most famous for is one he teaches himself. He learns it by watching. But not the cowboys. Instead, he learns it from a bulldog. In 1881, at age 10 or so, Bill spots a bulldog, sees a cow, and wrestle it to the ground. What captures his imagination is how the dog does it. The dog bites down on the cow's upper lip, sinks its canine fangs into the cow's most tender flesh. There are so many nerve endings in a cow's lip, the pain of being bitten there renders a cow stunned. It's like a cow short circuits. A dog, no more than 50 or 60 pounds, can use this technique to bring down a thousand-pound cow. The same technique works on bulls. Thus, the name of the dogs who do this best, bulldogs. The trick that young Bill Pickett will develop from this one observation will make him famous around the world. He calls it bulldogging. The first time he shows anyone his new trick for how to make a bull submit to his will, the 10-year-old black boy is nearly laughed out of Texas. When he walks to school each day, Bill passes the Littlefield Cattle Company. One day, he notices the cowboys are fighting to brand a particularly stubborn calf. Young Bill Pickett offers to help them out. Of course, the dust-coated, trail-hardened cowboys almost die laughing at this black boy's offer. But they can see he's serious. Who the hell is this cocky kid who thinks he can wrestle a 400-pound calf to the ground? Looking at him, they can also see he weighs maybe 100 pounds with his boots on. However, the cowboys agree to let the cocky kid help them with their difficult livestock. They rope the calf. As the cowboys heat up the brand, they tell Bill to hold the animal stock still while they brand it. 
Young Bill nods. Then he walks over to the troublesome animal. He approaches it from behind and the side. He gets a hold of the calf's short horns, maneuvers himself in front of its head. Then he bites down on the animal's upper lip, just like he'd seen the bulldog do it. With a sharp, sudden twist of his 10-year-old frame, young Bill tosses the 400-pound animal to the ground. As instructed, he holds the calf still for the cowboys to brand it. The cowboys are gape-mouthed with shock. Who is this kid? As flesh smokes and sears, young Bill holds the calf. The animal hardly moves at all as the cowboys burn the brand into its hide. Bill doesn't let go until he's given the signal. The calf scrambles to its feet, then trots over to the rest of the herd, freshly branded. By the time young Bill gets home that day, word has crisscrossed Austin. There's a boy in town, a little cowboy, who can toss a steer to the ground with his teeth. Soon, Bill Pickett is locally famous. From that day forward, he has steady work as a cowboy. Bill Pickett leaves school after finishing the fifth grade. He goes pro. In black families, oftentimes there's this tradition of passing on skills and talents, and it's not really necessarily made into a big deal, but it's kind of just something that is you, you learn over time. So did the family teach you about tending animals? Absolutely. You learned anything you were near. If one of my cousins was going out to collect eggs, you go with them, and then they show you how to, how to handle the chickens, how to handle the chicks when you see them, what to do about the rooster. When Uncle Lester was shoeing his mules, he would take his time and show you how to clean the hoof, how to handle the animal. He was always talking about the animal as if it was a person that he was talking to. Each animal had a name. Each animal had a personality. Each animal had a job to do that didn't change from day to day. During his teen years, Bill Pickett turns his attention to the more difficult task of learning how to ride a bucking bronco. It doesn't take him long. Soon enough, each Sunday afternoon, he puts on a show riding broncos for any curious onlookers. Like a street musician, he passes the hat among the crowd, hoping to pull in a little spare cash. He doesn't know it yet, but this is the start of his life as a cowboy showman. In the 1890s, Bill Pickett starts a family business with four of his brothers. They call their outfit the Pickett Brothers Bronco Busters and Rough Riders Association. Their advertisement reads, We ride and break all wild horses with much care. Good treatment to all animals. Perfect satisfaction guaranteed. Catching and taming wild cattle, a speciality. At the turn of the new century, Bill Pickett and his brothers arrive in Rocky Ford, Colorado to put on a show. They appear at the Arkansas Valley Fair. It's the first time that Bill Pickett gives a public performance of his unique style of bulldogging. The crowd is stunned when he flips a thousand-pound bull, but Bill does it a little different. He doesn't even use his hands. He flips the bull with just his teeth. Of course, he is an immediate sensation. He wows crowds in Blue Rapids, Kansas. Will Pickett, a colored man from Taylor, Texas, has made a great record as a steer thrower. At an exhibition, he started on horseback after a wild steer. Caught up with it, threw his arms over the steer's neck, and holding onto it, let go of his horse. Then stopped the steer by holding onto both horns. He next got around in front and between its horns, and then by grasping the horns, he tipped the steer's nose up so that he could lean forward and catch its upper lip in his teeth. And north into Wyoming, he does the same. Pickett is not a big man, but is built like an athlete, and his feet will undoubtedly be one of the great features of this year's celebration. It is difficult to conceive how a man could throw a powerful steer in his hands unaided by rope or contrivance of some kind, and yet Pickett accomplishes this seemingly impossible task with only his teeth. Anytime he wows a Western audience with his bulldogging technique, questions are raised. 
How is he doing it? And also, why is he doing it? In the Denver Post, Bill Pickett explains his technique from his perspective. Rope is all right to hang people with, but they get in the way when you want to rope a steer. Yes, sir, I throw them with my teeth. I'm telling you the truth. The rope is just in the way. You see, I just get my horse, and then they turn the steer loose, and I go to him just like I have a rope. And when I come up to his head, I jump off the horse and nail the steer by the horns, and my, my right hand grabs the right horn. Then I pull up to his head, and I, I stop his running. Then I reach over the top of his head with my own head, and I grab him by the upper lip with my teeth, and what's left of him, and I throw myself back mighty hard, and the steer flops on the ground. Sometimes he lights on me, sometimes he don't. But anyhow, I hold him till I tie his feet. I'd seen a dog throw a cow. That's where I got my idea. By this time, Bill Pickett, or Will Pickett, is being billed as the Dusky Demon. This adds a sense of drama and flair to the cowboy's routine, but it also obscures the fact that he's black. Bill Pickett just wants to compete and live as a professional showman, which means he has to downplay and obscure his race. So he often appears in the ring dressed as a Mexican bullfighter. He fights back against the demoralizing fictions of -of turn-of-the-century racism with his own fictions. There is an interesting parallel between jazz music of the 20s and Black Cowboys at that same time, because both of them have to kind of rely on these fictions based on race to get around the racist fictions that they're being imposed upon them. So with jazz musicians, they couldn't go and play certain places because they were Black jazz musicians. So they would lie and say, no, no, I'm a Mohammedan. I'm Muslim. They're like, oh, okay. Okay, they didn't really know what a Muslim was or looked like, so they could get away with it in the South and could play as a jazz musician. Now, Bill Pickett's doing the same thing, calling himself the Dusky Demon and going out there in matador clothes because he can kind of obscure his blackness and make it more of like, I'm a brown guy. Now, what do you think about that use of, the, of like, you know, racialized fictions to combat racist fictions at that time? I always have a very difficult time trying to have an opinion about it because the times were so different. And the options and choices presented were in such a different context. For example, I can't tell if Bill Pickett just didn't give a damn about race or if he was trying to obscure it. I've gone through my life not giving a damn about race, fully conscious of the existence of it, but not really caring. That's never been part of my decision making. So I know that can be done. I give him the credit for that being one of the possible choices that he made. Dusky Demon is like the brown bomber. You know, that's just that's just that's just promotion. See, the other thing is he was born in 1871. From the 1870s up until 1920, there was a big change in the West. At first, it was optimism after the Civil War when people were coming out there and it was unpopulated and it was pretty much, so come on out and do what you can to make it a better place. And then after the Hayes-Tilden election and they took the army out of the South and the Confederacy moved to Texas, then the nature of the West changed. So the same event that had been fun for Bill Pickett two years earlier now is hell because the people who are coming there are, are from Alabama and not from Texas. So his experience uh, it will be seen through a different set of eyes from then on. It's hard to tell exactly where the lines are. By 1905, Bill Pickett is a crowd-certified, top-billed cowboy showman. His name is known from coast to coast. The Miller family, owners of one of the most famous ranches in the West, the 101 Ranch in Oklahoma, hires Bill Pickett for a show called The Miller Brothers Big Roundup. 65,000 people show up by train to visit the ranch and witness the Wild West show. It's a veritable display of all that's right and wrong in the American West. It's authentic, at least, in its cruelty. 
The famous native warrior Geronimo is one of the main attractions. He's presently a captive of the U.S. Army at a nearby fort. For reasons of their own, the Army decides to loan out Geronimo for the show. He appears in front of delighted fans, as promised, in manacles, escorted by soldiers. Despite the objectified strangeness of his situation, from inside a moving car, Geronimo shoots and kills a buffalo. The animal is then cooked and served to guests. It's billed as, quote, the last buffalo killed by Geronimo. This statement is technically true, since the Apache chief is in army custody and the man known as the last resistance fighter of his generation will die four years later in nearby Fort Sill. His buffalo hunt is an ultimate experience of the dying West. Back in the Wild West show, it's Bill Pickett's turn to wow the crowd. He does what he does best, bulldogs a 1,000-pound steer. The crowd is thrilled beyond expectation. His is a mythic feat. Here is a man who can toss beasts like he's some kind of black demigod in a 10-gallon hat. Charged up by the success of their show, the Miller brothers plan to hire Bill Pickett to become a permanent part of their new traveling Wild West show. They intend to travel the country by train, like the circus coming to town, only instead of elephants and high-wire acts, they bring real-life cowboys and Indians. While he's out on the road traveling America by rail, Bill Pickett enjoys his life as the star of the Miller Brothers' Wild West show. He has no idea that the very next year, he will test his good luck with a brush with death down in Mexico. The most epic fight in his bronc-busting, bulldogging life will arrive in the form of a Mexican bull. An October morning in a quiet suburb in a town in Scotland. A man is walking his dog when suddenly shots are fired from a car. The man falls to the ground and the car speeds off. An ordinary residential area, but extraordinary things happen in ordinary places. The instinct right away was it was a political thing. We're talking about Russian trained, high-ranking officer in the Secret Service. An Assassin Comes to Town, a six-part podcast. Available now, wherever you get your podcasts. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to have supervision, enhanced hearing, extraordinary reflexes, to be, dare we say, superhuman? Well, Roku's new Pro Series TV can't do any of that for you. But with a 4K screen, side-firing speakers, and a blazing fast refresh rate, it'll sure feel like it. Elevate your entertainment using all your favorite apps like iHeart and play all your music, radio, and podcasts with the new Roku Pro Series. Your senses aren't better. Your TV is. If your business needs a new application, then developers will have to write code. A lot of code. If an application needs to be modernized, then you'll need time, resources, and caffeine. If that sounds daunting, then you need Watson X Code Assistant. AI designed to multiply developer productivity so you can generate code quickly. Let's create a more modern foundation for business with Watson X Code Assistant. Learn more at ibm.com slash codeassistant. IBM. Let's create. There are moments in life that are so special that you have to capture them and save them forever. They are one of those once-in-a-lifetime events, like your baby's first steps, the first time you bring your family pet home, or your daughter's first dance performance. With iPhone 15 Pro, more storage means you don't have to delete anything that can become a lasting memory one day. And it's important to be able to share these moments with family members who weren't there to see them in person. Store more, share more. Connect with iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T. 
Get iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T and get an iPad and Apple Watch for 99 cents per month each. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Limited time offer. Requires 0% APR 36-month agreement on each. Well-qualified customers. Other terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash iPhone for details. Down in Mexico, there is a centuries-long love affair with the bull. Cattle culture first took hold in the ranchos around Mexico City in the early 1500s, in the days of Hernan Cortez. Back then, the Spaniards had the indigenous and black cowboys work their cattle. The early cattle industry was regulated by the Mesta, an association for sheep herding and cattle ranching in the province of New Spain. The first livestock herding regulations were created in the 16th century. For instance, there was the 1574 requirement that for every 2,000 head of cattle on a ranch, there had to be four black or indigenous cowboys to tend them, and two of the four had to be on horseback. As well, there was an ordinance that forbid the black and indigenous cowboys from using a traditional lance called the desare tadera as a tool to tend the cattle. It was banned for its sharp cruelty. According to the 1574 ordinances, that there be no desjarretaderas nor any hogged livestock, any native, mulatto, black, or mestizo that has been a vaquero cannot carry or possess a lance or desjarretadera for any reason, under penalty of 20 pesos de oro de minas. And he who incurs the said penalty and does not have the means to pay will be given a hundred lashes in public. A new method of tending cattle soon developed. It was a mix of indigenous land and plant knowledge, Spanish Andalusian herding traditions, Spanish Las Marismas traditions of rope lariats called lazos, along with West African traditions, such as the use of a Senegambian-style military saddle with a saddle horn. These influences braid together to create a new form of roping livestock while riding horseback. This is what comes to be known as vaquero culture, which in America becomes cowboy culture. The culture soon spreads east to Spanish Florida, west to Spanish California, north to what would become Texas, New Mexico, and Arizona, and eventually all across the West. However, in Mexico City in 1908, the roots of vaquero culture have been obscured by time. The black and indigenous ancestors who created the culture are all but forgotten. And thus, it's a great insult when one of the Miller brothers is down in Mexico and he boasts that the black cowboy star of his Wild West show, Bill Pickett, could easily do what any Mexican matador does, and certainly no matador could do what Bill Pickett does to a steer. Meanwhile, back in Oklahoma, Bill Pickett has a bad dream. In his nightmare, an enormous black bull is chasing him. He can hardly escape. When he wakes up, he tells his wife about his bad dream. Later that day, a telegram arrives. It's from his boss, the Millers, down in Mexico, asking for Bill to travel down to Mexico City as soon as possible to join their Wild West show touring there. Bill and his wife discuss the trip and his dream from the night before. His wife believes the bull was Satan himself, certainly a bad omen. However, she has faith in her husband. Despite his dream about a devil bull, she encourages him to go to Mexico City. She practically insists. He arrives in Mexico City on December 16th. Down in Mexico, at that time, there are almost 500 professional matadors. The most famous of them all is Manuel Mejias Bienvenida, known as Manolo Benvenida. He's terribly amused by Bill Pickett's performance as a steer thrower. He and the other bullfighters mock the black cowboy, saying it's a terribly easy thing that Bill does. Any bullfighter could do the same. 
The sporting press in Mexico takes the bait. They report this same opinion as fact. If you compare Bill Pickett's bulldogging with Mexican bullfighting, as far as the Mexican press is concerned, there's no contest. One is vulgar, brutish, and savage. The other is a graceful dance with death, measured in bravery. Joe Miller, one of the brothers, sees a marketing opportunity. He reiterates that none of them can do what Bill Pickett does to a steer. How dare the Americans come down to Mexico City and insult the national sport of Mexico to the face of the sport's most famous star? The matador Benvenida demands satisfaction. Joe Miller challenges a bullfighter with a bet. Benvenida accepts the wager. The next day, Benvenida will bulldog a steer for the sake of Mexican pride. It'll be before a private audience and by invitation only. The next day, Benvenida doesn't show. He sends word that he's been forbidden from taking part by his contract. The arena where he is a top-billed matador won't let their star attraction risk injury just to defend Mexican honor. Joe Miller isn't satisfied, so he proposes an alternative. The matadors can select the most vicious rank bull they can find in Mexico, and Bill Pickett will bulldog it. This time for a crowd. Benvenida, acting on behalf of all the matadors of Mexico, accepts this new wager. The men bet 5,000 pesos, plus a steep cut of the collected ticket sales at the Bull Arena. There's one small trouble. No one has told Bill Pickett about this bet. When he does finally hear about it, he just asks Joe Miller for one condition. If he's killed by the Bull, he wants Joe's word that his body will be shipped back to Oklahoma for burial. Bill Pickett doesn't want Mexican coyotes picking through his bones in a shallow grave. The day of the contest is set for the day before Christmas Eve, December 23rd. Everyone in Mexico who can afford a ticket turns out to see this black cowboy who thinks he can throw a killer bull. The president of Mexico, Porfiro Diaz, is in attendance. To hype up the crowd, a group of matadors parades into the arena. They carry an ornate black casket. The words El Pincharino are written on the coffin. It means one who has been gored through. The crowd loses its ever-loving mind at the matador's dark humor. It's exactly what they expect. They've all come to see this cocky black American die at the hands of a Mexican bull. The restless crowd begins to chant the haunting refrain, El Pincharino! El Pincharino! El Pincharino! El Pincharino! El Pincharino! El Pincharino! Backstage, one of the Miller brothers, Zach, gives Bill Pickett a bottle of whiskey to steal his nerves. He downs half of it. Then, he saddles up on his best horse, Spradley, named for how it walks, and he rides out to meet his fate in the bullfighting arena. Bill Pickett wears a red cowboy shirt, a neckerchief, and a tall Stetson hat. The Mexican crowd boos and jeers the black cowboy. A blare of a trumpet breaks up their boos and jeers. A respectful and expectant silence falls over the crowd. The real star has arrived. The gate to the bullpen swings open. One thousand pounds of bull charge into the arena. It snorts hot plumes of angry air. It scratches at the earth like the earth called it a bad name. Then the bull locks eyes on Bill Pickett. The crowd erupts in triumphant cheers. They salute the bull as the killer they've come to see. The bull's name is Frijole Chiquita. It means little beans. 
It's a curious name for such a vicious animal. He's been bred for death in the arena, presumably at the hands of a matador. A thousand generations of bulls before him were bred, all leading up to this moment. Each bull was specifically selected for its aggression, its outsized muscularity, picked for the forward bend of its horns, which, when turned forward, become a far more brutal natural weapon. Frijoli Chiquita stands at the apex of a thousand bulls. The very first bullfight in the Old World took place back in Spain in the 11th or 12th century, depending on who you ask. Either it was an honor first given to El Cid sometime in the mid-11th century, or the tradition possibly began when King Alfonso VIII was crowned king in the 12th century. However it began, it soon became a glorious tradition to mark a special occasion with a corrida de toros, or in English, a bullfight. Pope Pius V, in 1566, tried to ban bullfights in Catholic nations. He abhorred the bloodlust they incited and the cruelty a bullfight requires. The devout Spaniards considered his official edict issued from their highest religious leader, but then they promptly ignored his order. They loved bullfighting too much to listen to the church. The next pope, Pope Gregory VIII, was like, yeah, never mind. He recanted most of the church's earlier prohibition. The first bullfight in the New World took place in Mexico City in 1526. Now, by the time Bill Pickett is standing there in the El Toro Arena in Mexico City in 1908, nearly four centuries have passed since that first bullfight in the New World. And for all that time, the breeders of Mexican fighting bulls have been making them bigger and more aggressive. Frijole Chiquita stares at him. Bill Pickett is the greatest bulldogger of all time. But this isn't a wild bull. This is a born and bred killing machine. Before this moment, Bill Pickett has never seen a fighting bull, not once in all his cowboy days. On horseback, Bill circles the arena, keeping his eyes on the bull. And the bull does the same, eyeing him. Another cowboy is on horseback in the arena to lead the bull, so that Bill can ride up behind the bull and try to bulldog it. The bull doesn't do as expected. He chases the leading cowboy and gores his horse in its hip. The horse is pierced badly by the bull's horn. It whinnies and screams in pain. As the bull starts to pull its horn out of the horse's flank, Bill Pickett throws himself at the bull. But the blood of the horse now wets the bull's horns. Bill's grip on the horns fails. He falls to the earth. He's nearly trampled under the bull. Only dumb luck saves him. Bill catches up with his horse, Spradley, hops back in the saddle, and rides out of the arena. The crowd rains down jeers and boos upon Bill and his horse. The crowd returns to chanting in unison, El Pincharino! El Pincharino! El Pincharino! El Pincharino! Meanwhile, Bill rides up to Joe Miller and asks for a new horse. Bill's not scared for himself. He's worried about Spradley, his favorite pony. Joe Miller tells him he doesn't have time for all that. The promoter can sense the rising bloodlust of the crowd. He shouts, Get back out there and take that goddamn bull before we're all killed! Bill Pickett spurs his horse and rides back into the arena to face the bull, the one with the horse blood staining its horns. Frijoli Chiquita immediately charges again at Bill Pickett. His horse sharply evades the first part of the charge, but gets caught by the bull's late twist. The bull pierces its horn deep into the horse's thigh and buttock. The horn rips open horse flesh and muscle until finally the bull's horn tears free at the horse's hip. Spradley sounds with pain. 
The bull is close enough for Bill Pickett to try bulldogging him again. Plus, if he leaps from his horse, it will protect his horse from a third bull charge. So Bill Pickett throws himself backwards, down at the bull's horn. But again, his grip slips on horse blood. His boots skip across the arena, but he doesn't let go. He tries to grab hold. His grip continues to slip. His third attempt fails just the same. He can't seem to get a hold of the bull. The crowd feels certain that the grim specter of death has entered the arena. The cheers grow deafening. Bill tries one last time. He's finally able to grab the fighting bull by both horns, and he pulls himself up onto the bull's head. He wraps his arm around both horns and holds on for dear life. It's his only chance he can survive the day. The bull shakes its head from side to side. Bill holds fast to its horns as he's slapped around and against the bull's head and face. The bull smashes Bill against the fence boards. It doesn't work. Bill Pickett still holds on. Finally, the bull slows its running. It comes to a stop and stands still. The crowd turns uglier. It grows more violent and drunken. People start to throw things at Bill and the bull to see if they can knock that black cowboy off. Mostly, it just seems to further piss off the bull. The bull shakes its head from side to side. The crowd is unsatisfied. A brick is thrown. It slices Bill's forehead. Bill now bleeds from a new open wound in his face. His blood streams from his face as he clings to the bull's head, his arms still wrapped around its horns. Another man in the stands throws something, a full beer bottle. His aim is dead on, breaking three of his ribs. Bill Pickett aches all over, everywhere. His fingers are numb, his body long past exhaustion. He lets go of the bull's horns and falls into the dusty arena dirt and sand. The crowd cheers. Some take aim at the black cowboy lying still in the dirt of the bullring. As the newspaper El Imparcial reports later, the crowd, quote, pelted him with opened knives, bottles, stones, oranges, and cushions, end quote. Bleeding in the dirt with multiple broken ribs, struggling to breathe on the thin air of Mexico City, exhausted from hanging on to the horns of a fighting bull for God knows how long, Bill Pickett looks to be at the end of his trail. All told, Bill Pickett's been inside the ring with the bull for 38 minutes. Frijoli Chiquita takes a breather, turns and looks back at Bill. The fighting bull spots the badly bleeding, exhausted cowboy still lying in the dirt. The bull sets up for its final rush. The crowd is all bloodlust and morbid anticipation. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to have supervision, enhanced hearing, extraordinary reflexes, to be, dare we say, superhuman? Well, Roku's new Pro Series TV can't do any of that for you. But with a 4K screen, side-firing speakers, and a blazing fast refresh rate, it'll sure feel like it. Elevate your entertainment using all your favorite apps like iHeart and play all your music, radio, and podcasts with the new Roku Pro Series. Your senses aren't better. Your TV is. An October morning in a quiet suburb in a town in Scotland. A man is walking his dog when suddenly shots are fired from a car. The man falls to the ground and the car speeds off. An ordinary residential area, but extraordinary things happen in ordinary places. The instinct right away was it was a political thing. We're talking about Russian trained, high ranking officer in the Secret Service. An assassin comes to town, a six part podcast. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. 
If your business needs a new application, then developers will have to write code, a lot of code. If an application needs to be modernized, then you'll need time, resources, and caffeine. If that sounds daunting, then you need Watson X Code Assistant, AI designed to multiply developer productivity so you can generate code quickly. Let's create a more modern foundation for business with Watson X Code Assistant. Learn more at ibm.com slash code assistant. IBM. Let's create. There are moments in life that are so special that you have to capture them and save them forever. They are one of those once-in-a-lifetime events, like your baby's first steps, the first time you bring your family pet home, or your daughter's first dance performance. With iPhone 15 Pro, more storage means you don't have to delete anything that can become a lasting memory one day. And it's important to be able to share these moments with family members who weren't there to see them in person. Store more, share more. Connect with iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T. Get iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T and get an iPad and Apple Watch for 99 cents per month each. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Limited time offer. Requires 0% APR 36-month agreement on each. Well-qualified customers. Other terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash iPhone for details. The bull charges at the beaten cowboy. Bill is somehow able to evade the initial rush, avoiding the bull's horns with the grace of a matador. But the bull catches him with his hip, knocks him down, and runs over Bill. Not dead yet, Bill looks up from the dirt to see the bull run past him. There's something in Bill's performance. Perhaps it's his bravery, or his unwillingness to give up, or perhaps it's the grace with which he protected his horse by throwing himself on the bull. Whatever it is, Bill Pickett's performance in the bull ring inspires a young Mexican bullfighter. The man hops over the barricade and runs into the arena. The young bullfighter waves his vest wildly. He uses it like a red cape to catch the eye of the bull. It works. His distraction gives Bill Pickett enough time to get to his feet. Someone, most likely a cowboy from the 101 Ranch, opens a gate, and the arena is flooded by ranch steers. The steers crowd the bullring, making it impossible for Fijole Chiquita to locate Bill Pickett and finish him off. The crowd erupts with violence of their own. More objects are thrown. There is a new chorus of boos and shouts. But Bill Pickett has won. It's not the glory he might have hoped for, but leaving the ring with your life is some kind of victory. As Bill Pickett limps out of the bullfighting arena, spittle and warm beer rain down on him. The victorious black cowboy is only thinking of his wounded horse, Spradley. He wants to know if his favorite pony will be okay. An old Mexican man, a veteran of the bullring, a wizened-faced man who knows secrets and soon-to-be-forgotten things, promises that he can heal the horse. Bill trusts the old Mexican man. A boy is sent to gather bananas, two of them. They must be ripe and red, not yellow. The boy does as he's told. The wizened-faced man peels the fruit. Then he smushes banana into the horse's open wound. He explains to Bill that his favorite horse will be fine. Soon after the man is done, Bill's horse lies calm and still. Its labored breathing grows even and steady. Ten minutes pass. The horse is soon standing, well enough to walk. Whatever the old Mexican man did, it works, and likely it saves Bill's horse from having to be euthanized. Of course, Bill, too, will have to recover from his wounds. The next day, Bill tells the Mexican press, If I'd have gotten the kind of hold I usually get and the kind I wanted, I would have stayed with that bull until he starved to death. 
That same day, Christmas Eve 1908, the Mexican newspaper El Imparcial reports on the results of the bulldogging exhibition. Pickett defeated the bull and the crowd departed disappointed, as they were hoping to see not precisely that which they did see. They were hoping for blood, and the red liquid fumes did not darken the sand as at other times. Pickett subdued the beast and put his snout on the ground, doubling his neck under the weight of his Herculean strength. But the crowd wanted blood, as that is the reason they go to the circus. Blood of bulls, blood of horses, or of men. But blood which stains and darkens the gravish and monotonous sand of the bull ring. But this occasion did not give them that pleasure. Now it will be another time. Joe Miller wins his bet. Bill Pickett beats a fighting bull in a one-on-one face-off, and it's clear no one else on earth could do what he did. The black cowboy is certainly no matador, but it's equally true no matador could do what Bill Pickett did as a bulldogger. Miller's point is made. Bill has somehow survived both nightmares, the black bull of his dreams, and the real deal for Jole Chiquita. When Bill Pickett goes down to Mexico and he's supposed to basically go one-on-one with a bull he has spending time in this this hostile environment the mexican crowd is throwing things at him they're yelling all sorts of epithets it's just this (laughs) terrible situation and he's grinning at them defiant as all hell because he's bill pickett they did like ali and jack johnson they made it a, a a moral contest like our way of doing it is better than your way of doing it. Now, can you imagine that scene uh, yourself? Can you place yourself in the shoes of Bill Pickett? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No, no. I mean, Man, look. <laughs> you, the, the, you remember a couple of years ago when uh, Ocho Cinco decided to ride a bull? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, the football player. And, and so he thought it'd be easy. And I heard him discussing it afterwards. He said, man, I got on that damn bull. And he started swelling up. You could feel his muscles getting bigger. And they never stopped. They just kept getting bigger and bigger. I said, what the fuck am I doing on this bull? <laughs> it's, it's, it's nothing very long. That bull came out thing. He was gone. But, but that's me. I, I, would, I have no desire, as much as I would like to do it, uh, you know, philosophically, uh, theoretically, <laughs> I have no interest in, I can't picture me being in the ring, on the ground, with a bull loose. At this same time, Bill Pickett is earning $8 a week. He makes no extra money for fighting the bull, only has a good story to show for it. After the show's return from Mexico, the Miller Brothers traveling Wild West show tours America with great success and fewer near-death experiences for Bill Pickett. Their 1911 season ends in Los Angeles. They arrive in November. The climate was good for the animals as well as the performers. Plus, there was a new film industry in Hollywood popping up. The producers there paid top dollar for the authentic Wild West performances, horse tricks, and real-live natives and cowboys. Performers from the 101 Ranch star in a handful of silent films. A few years later, in 1914, Bill Pickett is invited across the Atlantic to perform before the King and Queen of Great Britain. It's the 100-year anniversary of the end of the War of 1812. The British want to celebrate their century of peace with an Anglo-American exposition in London. The Miller Brothers' Wild West show is brought over as a star attraction, which promises to recreate the ever-receding past for British royalty and spectators. The culture that developed in the Old West as a way of escaping the evils of colonialism is brought back to England as something to be celebrated. How ironic. How American. There is one trouble that they run into in the UK, the Humane Societies for the Protection of Animals. At one performance, a Humane Society insists that the black cowboy be arrested for his cruelty to animals. 
he is. Ultimately, Bill Pickett must pay a fine of $25. But there's bigger trouble than animal welfare. Before the traveling Wild West show can return to the States, war breaks out in Europe. They would later call it World War I. At the time, it's called the Great War. And as everyone soon learns, the Great War will require great sacrifices. King George V writes an edict declaring a national emergency. The horses and vehicles of the 101 Ranch Show are commandeered for public service. Guess not every horse thief wears a cowboy hat. Without any horses or wagons, the Wild West Show tries to flee back home to America. No one wants to take a British ship, though, afraid it'll be sunk by a German U-boat before they can make it across the Atlantic. They plea for help from the U.S. Embassy. Finally, Bill Pickett makes it back home to America on a U.S. mail ship. The USS St. Paul. In 1929, when the Depression first hits America, it's particularly devastating to the Miller brothers. By 1931, the Wild West show can no longer afford to travel. There is still an eager curiosity, but not nearly enough of a paying crowd. The ranch has assets, livestock, land, even mineral rights and oil rights. But there are few buyers for such high-priced commodities. Within a short period of time, the Miller brothers are flat-busted. They have to sell off what they can so they can keep the rest. Ever loyal, Bill Pickett helps the brothers to dispose of their livestock. It's the one thing they own that has immediate value, at least to the bargain buyers. On March 15, 1932, a man arrives at the 101 Ranch looking to buy some cheap horses. The man likes the sight of one old Bronco. He asks if the horse could be saddled and ridden. Bill Pickett saddles the Bronco and climbs on its back. Bill Pickett is 62 years old. The horse is old, too, but on this day, the animal decides to relive its youth. It fights to pitch the rider off its back, bucking and leaping, twisting and lurching. But Bill Pickett hangs fast to the reins, his feet squarely in the stirrups. Eventually, the horse is ridden to a standstill. Just a few days later, on the 19th of March, the livestock manager, Red Taggart, orders Bill and another cowboy to round up a few more horses and get them prepared and ready to be sold. Bill spies a horse he thinks would catch the eyes of a buyer. It's a three-year-old gelding, chestnut brown in color. The horse weighs roughly a thousand pounds. He's a surly Mustang. Bill, riding a horse named Hornet, casually approaches the chestnut Mustang. Hornet gets him close enough so that he can lasso the unbroken horse. He ties off his lariat around the horn of his saddle. His horse, Hornet, can now hold the unbroken Mustang steady and in place, at least somewhat as Bill works his way closer. A few other young cowboys gather on the rails of the corral to see how Bill breaks the Mustang. Bill hops off his horse and works his way down the rope, hand over hand, pulling himself closer to the Mustang. At the other end, the rope is still tied off to his saddle horse. When Bill gets close, one of the other horses in the corral steps on the rope tied to his saddle horse. This causes the rope to go slack. The chestnut Mustang feels the rope go slack and pulls away with a quick, sharp jerk. The rope goes taut again, and it flings Bill Pickett up into the sky. He goes up about 15 feet before he arcs back down to earth. His boots smack the dirt. He lands, legs unsteady. Before he can make a second move, the Mustang rears up and kicks Bill in the head. His head makes a sickening sound, like a cantaloupe dropped off of a roof into a parking lot. Bill somehow gets back to his feet, but he soon doubles back over. His hands find his knees. The first man to rush over to him turns back and shouts for a car. A blue 1931 Pierce Arrow Roadster serves as Bill's ambulance. 
It's a beautiful car, a sleek last ride for Bill Pickett. When he arrives at the hospital, the doctor instantly recognizes him. He tells anyone listening, Oh hell, it's Pickett. He'll live. The doctor is wrong. On the second day of April 1932, Bill Pickett dies. At the beginning of his career, Bill Pickett once said, I'm promised for this world just so long. And when I go, that'll be the end of it. Sometime, I suppose, I'll make a mistake. A fatal mistake, and it'll be all over. After his death, humorist and world-famous all-around good guy, Will Rogers wrote a tribute. A little small, good-natured, likable Negro died last week in Oklahoma named Bill Pickett. Don't mean a thing to you, does it? Well, he was the originator of a stunt that has thrilled millions. It was the rodeo stunt of bulldogging. He worked with white cowboys all his life and never had an argument or an enemy. President Theodore Roosevelt said of the world-famous black cowboy, Bill Pickett's name will go down in Western history as being one of the best-trained ropers and riders the West has produced. Teddy Roosevelt isn't wrong. Bill Pickett once estimated that he bulldogged 5,000 steers during his time as a cowboy showman. That's likely an underestimate. His legacy now lives on in the annual Bill Pickett Invitational Rodeo. Founded in 1984, the rodeo was established to, quote, celebrate and honor black cowboys and cowgirls and their contributions to building the West. And what better legacy could there be for the hard-riding, bronc-busting bulldogger? His love of cowboying started when he was a boy watching the cowboys in his hometown and the ones in his family. Hard to think of something that would make him happier than to see a young black girl or black boy discover the joys of spending their life tending to animals. Now, uh, do you also uh, think of like Bill Pickett and uh, say other writers like Jesse Stahl? Did you think of them uh, when you were young? Oh, absolutely. We were told from a young age that the best cowboys in the world were black cowboys. They were out there teaching all the white ones how to, how to be cowboys. <laughs> so we did not have a, a shortage of confidence in the existence of black cowboys. And Bill Pickett was like a John Henry, only he was a real person. You know, John Henry was a myth, but uh, Bill Pickett was a real person who did John Henry-like things. I mean, just biting a bull on the lip <laughs> just to get in front of a bull. You yeah, know, right. To get... <laughs> Intentionally place yourself in the business end of a bull. I mean, damn. And then, and then bite him on the lip <laughs> until, until he gives up. <laughs> so, I admire that a lot. <laughs> There is a film, a moving picture, made of the whole saga. It's called A Bullfight in Mexico. It's one of the earliest films ever released in theaters, sometime around 1910. Sadly, that footage is now lost. But the image of Bill Pickett, bloodied, battered but triumphant, remains vivid today. Up next on Black Cowboys, we'll look at the legacy of black cowboys in American cinema. Thanks for listening. Black Cowboys is written by me, Zarin Burnett, produced and edited by Ryan Murdoch and Michelle Lands. Our theme song is written and performed by Demeter. Sound design and music by Jeremy Thal. Additional music by Alvin Youngblood Hart, Greg Chudzik, and Nathan Kosey. Research and fact-checking by Austin Thompson, Marissa Brown, Jocelyn Sears, and Aaron Blakemore. Performances by Jay Charlesworth, Marco Guignelli, Ryan Murdoch, and Frank Nemec. Show logo by Lucy Quintanilla. Executive producers are Jason English and Mangesh Hatikater. Special thanks, as always, to my pop.
yourself what's really in the name Sitting on a Mustang, riding through the plains Buffalo soldier, the king of the range We in love with the cowboy way What are you looking for in a new smart TV? 4K picture quality? High quality and immersive sound? A sleek design? All of those are givens, but only the new Roku Pro Series has all of those and the Roku Streaming Experience, an award-winning OS. Get fast, easy access to all your apps like iHeart, where you can stream all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts all day, and regular all-inclusive trips to Roku City. The new Roku Pro Series, a smart TV built by the streaming pros. An October morning in a quiet suburb in a town in Scotland, a man is walking his dog when suddenly shots are fired from a car. The man falls to the ground and the car speeds off. An ordinary residential area, but extraordinary things happen in ordinary places. The instinct right away was it was a political thing. We're talking about Russian trained, high ranking officer in the Secret Service. An assassin comes to town, a six part podcast. Available now, wherever you get your podcasts. When we come together, it's magic. And for 30 years, we've celebrated that. Because our ideas, our art, our flavor, our community, our impact, there's nothing like it. Here, in this place, this is where we fall more in love with everything that makes us, us. This is the place where we love us. Celebrate 30 years of loving us at Essence Festival. Get your tickets at EssenceFestival.com. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.